We want to look at um, at least one more episode in the life of Jesus as he is making his way to the cross. We've been focusing on those days of Sunday to Friday leading up to Jesus on the cross. Much of our discussions here on Wednesday night have, have been built upon what was happening on Tuesday uh, before that Friday. He had a lot of discussions. Look down with me, if you will, to Matthew 22. And let's begin in verse number 41. Matthew 22, 41. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What think you of the Christ, whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He says unto them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I put thine enemies, enemies underneath thy feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, neither did any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. And so let's look at this a little bit closer. Let's begin by some of the statements or at least questions that Jesus asked one by one here. Notice the first question. What think ye of Christ? What think ye of Christ? And right away, this plums us into the depths of really a self-examination. Because this is probably the most important question that we'll ever answer. It is, an, it is a question that comes to us. What do you think of Christ? How we answer that determines everything that we do in life. And Jesus wanted us to think about it. He wanted people of his day to think about who he was, not in some arrogant way, but in reality, just who he is, because that makes all the difference in the world. We remember right away the conversation Jesus has with Peter and the rest of the disciples in Matthew 16, 13. You remember that? When Jesus asked them there, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am or is? Who do people say I am? And then, of course, you remember the, the uh, responses. What were some of the responses? Yeah, some say you're a prophet. John the Baptist. Yeah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But then Jesus readdresses this question. He said to Peter, who do you say I am? Or at least he had readdressed it to the disciples. Who do you say I am? You see, that, the way you answer that question is paramount to everything else you do in life. <clears throat> of course, we know Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. But the way we answer the question, What think ye of Christ? determines all of our thoughts, determines our feelings, determines our habits, determines the priorities we have in life. What do we think of Christ? 
And there's not a lack of material, is there? There's not a, there's not a lack of, of events and sayings. You know, we don't have to go search for things to find out about Jesus. You know, there's plenty out there. Whether it be his teachings, whether it be his, his miracles or his conversations or what we're looking at here in his last week, whether it be his, the days leading up to his resurrection, whether it be the days after his resurrection, whether it be the prophecies that led uh, to Jesus, there's so much that we can examine to come to a good answer. And that question is, what do you think of Christ? And that's what Jesus is asking these Pharisees. Notice that the Pharisees and Sadducees had had a lot of questions for Jesus uh, during this uh, tumultuous Tuesday. But now Jesus, he approaches a group of the Pharisees. And he says, what do you think of Christ? So that's his first question. First, notice the second question. He says, uh, whose son is he? Talking about Christ. Whose son is he? Now, was Jesus the son of Joseph and Mary? Mary. Mike says, well, Mary. Does the Bible ever call Jesus the son of Joseph? Well, that's interesting. Turn back with me to Matthew chapter 1 for a second, if you don't mind. Matthew chapter 1. Somebody read for us uh, Matthew 1 and uh, verse number 16. Matthew 1, 16. Joseph, husband of Mary, born Jesus, is called Christ. All right. Let's read it again. Real loud, uh, Roger. Matthew chapter 1 and verse uh, 16. Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. All right, notice how that is worded there in Matthew 1.16. Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Okay. So how is it that Mary uh, became uh, expecting Christ within her body? The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. It's what Gabriel told her in Luke 1. It's what Gabriel told her would happen. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And she became um, the mother of Jesus, um, bodily Jesus. Now turn with me to Mark uh, chapter 6 for a second. Mark chapter 6. You know, when Jesus comes uh, back toward his hometown, they were amazed that he had such wisdom. 
And they were astonished. Notice in Mark 6, verse 2. Whence hast this man these things? And what is the wisdom that is given unto this man? And what means such mighty works that, are, that is wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not, are not all his sisters here uh, with us? And so, Jesus, when he asked this question, whose son is he? One aspect is to look at Jesus from the standpoint of Joseph and Mary. And the way way the Bible pictures that, of course, is, yes, Mary carried Jesus and delivered him, but without the assistance um, physically with with Joseph. But now... Jesus had something else in mind as well. And and so what did the Jews say here? What did the Pharisees say when Jesus asked the question, whose son is he? What did they say? Son of David. What does that mean, Nathan, when he says son of David? Yeah, okay, you're right. Tied to the lineage of David, and you're able to trace trace him back uh, to the very family of David. That's correct. Okay, run back with me again to Mark, Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter one. Notice the very first verse, Matthew one, and you know this is the genealogy. It says the book of the generation. Of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. See that? And now notice this in verse 17, Matthew 1, verse 17. Matthew 1, 17. So all the generations from Abraham unto David are fourteen generations. And from David unto the carrying away to Babylon, fourteen generations. And from the carrying away to Babylon unto the Christ, fourteen generations. Notice that Jesus, of course, is referred to as the son of David, offspring of David. Even back in the Old Testament, and um, we could run through several, but one would be Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. Isaiah 11, also in verse 10, talks about Jesus would be the root of Jesse. Jesus would come from the the stump of Jesse. Uh, In other words, the... the, uh, the family tree of, of Jesse and David. Okay. Now, one, one other parallel passage. Run over with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. All right. How about um, one here in the audience read Romans 1, um, 3 and 4. Romans 1, 3 and 4. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, 
which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Alright, so notice that, that Jesus is the Son of God, declared to be the Son of God, by the resurrection from the dead, but also he came and was born from the seed of David according to the flesh. So Jesus, of course, here in Matthew 22, he's leading up. He's, he's asking this question for a purpose uh, with the Pharisees. But still, these details are important for us to understand. So the first question is, what do you think of Christ? What do you think of Christ? That's a beautiful way of, of stopping and saying, okay, where am I at in my life? What do I really think of Christ? And then, whose son is he? Now the next portion here is, is important as well. He says, well, how is it then? They answered, son of David. He said, well, how is it then that David in the Spirit wrote this passage? Okay. But before we get to the passage that he's referring to, think about what he said. David in the Spirit. Now what does that mean? David in the Spirit. Be, be the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? David in the Holy Spirit. What is filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay. Um, being led by the Holy Spirit. Being led by the Holy Spirit. Okay. For what purpose? To write. Yeah. To write. To write. So, oftentimes the the uh, the speakers in the New Testament will remind us that their quotations are not just quotations of men but quotations really from, from the voice of God. Right. So David in the Spirit. David in the Spirit. Right. Uh, look at a similar phrase in Revelation chapter 1, um, just for reference. Revelation chapter 1, you'll remember this about John. Revelation 1 and verse 10. John says... Revelation 1.10 I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And so John began to receive uh, his messages uh, from the Lord. All right. Look at another example. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 15. In these days Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren and said, and there was a multitude of persons there gathered about 120, but Peter stood up and said, Brethren, it was needful that the Scripture should be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spake before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who was guide to them that took Jesus. He was numbered among us and received his portion in this ministry when all this <clears throat> betrayal of Jesus and also the replacing of Judas was all prophesied by the mouth of David and the Holy Spirit guided uh, David. So as Jesus is building up here to um, bring this discussion with the Pharisees to a, to a certain point, he's reminding the Pharisees that they understand that what David wrote uh, did not come from David, 
but came from the mouth of God. We call this the inspiration of the Bible. Now, how this plays out um, in the simplest terms is that ultimately God is the author of the scriptures. But he uses, uh, he used, I should say, he used certain men as instruments to bring the scriptures to us and he conveyed these messages to them and they to us uh, through words, through words. And so this is what the Holy Spirit's doing. Back in the old times with David and other of the prophets and writers, Moses and others, and then also uh, here in the New Testament with John and Peter and others. So we're right here in Matthew uh, 22, and we've noticed uh, two questions. What think you of Christ? And then whose son of he? And then Jesus begins uh, his discussion with them by saying, Now, you understand, and we all agree, that, that when David spoke, he spoke in the Holy Spirit. Now, have you noticed yet what passage Jesus is going to quote from uh, from the Old Testament? It's going to be Psalms, right. What else you see? Right. Psalm 110, verse 1. 110, verse 1. Basically, it just simply says, The Lord Jehovah says unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Okay, so Jesus is going to quote uh, this. So let's, let's try to figure out, and I think we can pretty easy, the strange little phrase here, the Lord said unto my Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord. This is David talking. Okay. So what are the Lords here? The first Lord would be who? The Father. Okay, be, be God. God. God the Father, God. The Lord God, Jehovah God. Jehovah God said unto my Lord. The Lord, Jehovah, said unto my Lord. Okay, what, who's the second Lord then here? Jesus. Okay. That would be Christ. That would be the Messiah. All right. And so, it's exactly what David said. David said, the Lord, God, said unto my Lord, the Messiah, the Christ, uh, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies... Uh, Thy footstool. Okay. Now, it's after that Jesus makes his point. He said, now, since Christ is the son of David, then how is it that David calls him Lord? Right. Now, what's, they could not answer this. These, these Pharisees, these men who put themselves out there as the scholars of the Old Testament, they couldn't. They didn't know how to answer this. How is it that that David called the Messiah Lord at the same time in which the Messiah is the son of David? And of course, we know the answer to this. What is the answer to this? Well, it's basically. Hmm? Yes. 
Well, sort of, sort of. Basically, all Jesus is saying is that the prophecy means that the Messiah would come as human and divine, divine and human. The Lord said unto my Lord, Jesus would come from the fleshly lineage of David, son of David. But also, he would be Lord. He would be Lord. He would be the Son of God. He would be Christ, the Son of God. That's right. Keith's saying the Son of Man and Son of God. In fact, look over. If you, uh, I don't know if you've ever marked this or not, but notice in that familiar passage in Matthew 16 that we were just at. Matthew 16:13, Jesus said, "Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am?" Okay. And then when Peter answers, he says, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of what? Son of the Living God." And Jesus said, "Blessed art thou." So both of them got it right. Both. Son of Man and Son of God is correct. And that, that's basically what Psalm 110, verse 1, is teaching. That, that the Christ would be both human and divine. Okay. Mm-hmm. From Mary being human, it was her lineage that Jesus was born through from David. Right. And that got the human side. Right. And also in connection to this, remember John chapter 1. How does John chapter 1 begin? In the beginning in the beginning was the word, the word with God, and the word was God. Okay. But then what does John one fourteen say? Word flesh, <clears throat> All right. You see it there. John one fourteen, this word became flesh and dwelt among men. Right. So the end, I don't understand why the, the uh, Jewish people missed that in that day other than the fact that they were so dead set against Jesus being having any connection uh, to the Old Testament. Okay. But nonetheless, now here's a, here's a little thought. Uh, when did Jesus uh, technically become the Son of God? When he came to earth. When he came to earth. Sometimes there's a misunderstanding about that because, you know, uh, like Ephesians 3, 10 and 11 talks about the eternal purpose of God. Okay? And even 1 Peter 1, 18 to 20 talks about how that Jesus' shedding of his blood was something uh, foreknown before the foundation of the world. Yes, God knew what he was going to do all along. and We can't hardly even get our hands around all the wisdom of God. But technically with the scriptures... Jesus was the Word, and then the Word became flesh, and then that He became then uh, the Son of God. I, I take this from Luke chapter 1, 32 and 33, when Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, uh, He shall be called, talking about her son, He shall be called great, and shall be called the Son of the Most High. And so that's just a little side note there, but... Okay, so we're making our way down through what Jesus is saying to uh, the Pharisees. What think you of Christ? Whose son is he? We all know that what David said came from divine uh, inspiration. And 
he throws this out there, uh, the Lord said unto my Lord. Right? And if he said that, then how is it that, that David uh, was calling him Lord when actually the Christ was going to come out of the lineage of David and it's called son? But uh, the easy answer is we know Jesus to be both human uh, and, and divine. Now, the, one of the big teachings right here in the middle of this is how that Jesus would reign over uh, mankind. And he still is reigning over mankind. Many in our religious world don't, do not understand, and I, I'm puzzled about that too, because so much is said in Scripture about it. But just notice it here in Matthew 22, uh, Sit thou on my right hand, till I put thine enemies underneath thy feet. Now this is from Psalm 110, verse 1. And Jesus makes reference to it here, okay, and also parallel uh, accounts in Luke 20 and Mark 12. It's basically the same incident, but just recorded by Mark and Luke over there. But also, uh, let's look at a couple other places this is used. Turn with me, please, to uh, Acts chapter 2. And notice how Psalm 110 comes up in Acts chapter 2 in Peter's sermon. So Peter is preaching away. And let's say we start in 32, Acts 2, 32. Peter's preaching. He says, This Jesus did God raise up, whereof we are all witnesses, being therefore uh, by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you see and hear uh, on that day. But then verse 34, David ascended not into the heavens, but he says... The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies the footstool of thy feet. Okay. So Peter brings up Psalm 110 as, um, as an explanation of what has happened with Jesus. Jesus was crucified. This was part of the determinate counsel of God. Okay. But he, he died for the sins of the world. God raised him up. We are all witnesses of this. And now he's on the right hand of God. And this being at the right hand of God was actually prophesied by David. Okay, so Peter brings it up here as part of his sermon. Now also look over to Hebrews 1 real fast. And notice how that writer brings this up as well. Hebrews chapter 1. And verse 13. In, in this chapter, uh, Jesus' superiority is being... Uh, emphasized his superiority over angels, especially here in this chapter. And so, notice in Hebrews 1.13, uh, But of which of the angels has he said at any time, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies the footstool of thy feet. Okay, again, um, anticipating that at some point Jesus would uh, do, have a final conquering of all the enemies uh, that face him. Now, in relation to that, uh, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 15 and look at Paul talking about the last day. Okay, because all this goes together. And some of these uh, little things you just cannot understand until you put all these uh, together. But Paul's discussing, of course, first part of 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection of Christ, the latter part 
of 1 Corinthians 15 talking about the final day and our own resurrection from the dead. So he says, verse 24, 1 Corinthians 15, Then comes the end when he shall deliver up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he, has, when he shall have abolished all rule and authority and power for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. See that? 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 25. Jesus is now reigning. He began his reign when? When did he begin his reign at the right hand of God? Resurrected and yeah, ascended up on high. There he is, right hand of God. And then he will continue that reign until that very uh, last day. Now think about that right hand. That right hand. Uh, just for uh, time's sake, let me just throw out a couple of passages to you so we can move on. But uh, think about um, writing down Exodus 15, verse 6, uh, Psalm 98, verse 1. It just explains how uh, from the Old Testament language, being at the right hand of someone was a place of particular power and glory. Okay. And then there's a lot of passages and and um, it's just really uh, faith building to look at all the verses that talk about Jesus being at the right hand of God. But we'll we'll save that so we can uh, move on a little bit. I want to make this point with you. Uh, you know, it's possible to know what the Bible says and yet not know what the Bible means. This is exactly what happens with the Pharisees here. When Jesus asked the question. Whose son is he? Did they give the right answer? Son of David. Did they know what that meant? They didn't know what that meant. They, they could not answer. They, they couldn't, for the life of them, understand the connection to Psalm 110. Okay. It's, it's possible to, to know what the Bible says and not know what it, what it means. For example, Brother Paul back there. A lot of people, don't they, when they think about the Bible and just something the Bible just says, they'll say, well, the Bible says judge not. Don't you, it's wrong to judge. Okay. So Paul explained to us how that that's kind of misused sometimes. It also says judge is righteous judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's one way of, of tackling that is um, John seven twenty four actually says judge not according to appearance, but a judge righteous judgment. But a lot of people, when they think about, well, something that is taught by, the, by Jesus is, well, he said, judge not that you be not judged, so they feel like, well, all judgment is wrong. Okay, of course, that's not what he's talking about there. Which is what? For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. Okay. And I think that does help explain it because he, what he's talking about there is the harsh, critical, unfair judgment that's, that sometimes we're guilty of making of other people without really considering what's going on in their life, what's going on uh, around them, and trying to put ourselves in their place and trying to be as loving as, as we can. So that's Jesus is condemning critical, harsh uh, judgment. Okay? But you can't go through life without making judgments, right? 
We must make judgments. And so uh, that's what Mike was mentioning there in John uh, 7, verse, uh, Matthew 7, verse 6. Don't cast your uh, pearls before swine. You've got to make some judgments as to how you're going to go about sharing the blessings of the gospel. You know, so you've got to make some judgments. But it is possible to have the, the right answer from the Bible, but not know what that answer means. You know, uh, Some people would say, yeah, you need to be baptized. But they don't know what, what baptism is actually all about. You know? And so that, this is something that's illustrated uh, from, the, uh, from the Pharisees here. Okay. Now, a few years ago, maybe even several years now, Ago, um, they came out with this movie called Da Vinci Code. Y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. Da Vinci Code. Based on a book by Dan Brown. And Dan Brown, um, in his book, he has a whole list of scholars who claim that, um, that Jesus was never meant to be known as the Son of God. That he was only meant to be known as a good prophet. A very good prophet, but just a man, a prophet. And that that along about um, A.D. 300 and something, Constantine, a ruler of those days, he wanted to upgrade Jesus, so he manipulated the scriptures to make it say that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay? Um, but that is so easily uh, refuted uh, by a lot of what we're seeing here uh, in our readings. But even from the Old Testament, you know, the prophecy of Jesus from Isaiah 9, verse 6 um, is, is very interesting. Uh, he is going to be called uh, Everlasting Father, Mighty, Mighty God. Mighty God. Okay. What does the word uh, Emmanuel mean? God with us. Right. And so long before Constantine, Jesus was going to be known as God, as uh, the Son of God. And here David is predicting it from Psalm 110. And, and verse number one. Okay. And then even, um, you know, um, Paul talks about it in Philippians 2, how Jesus um, was uh, equal with God. Okay. But, um, but he, he gave himself up. Uh, took on the uh, form of a servant and was made in fashion as a man. Humbled himself. That's right. So the only way that Jesus could save us from our sins was actually become flesh. Right. And to relate to us. And to be able to relate to us as well. He became flesh. That's right. That's right. Okay. <clears throat> well, they can have it both ways. So you can't say Jesus was a good man or Jesus was a good prophet because Jesus said he was the Son of God. Yeah. So Either he's a maniac or he's a son of God. That's, that's all you get. Yeah, yeah you, you can't have it both ways. You, Jesus cannot be just a man because he claimed to be uh, so much more. Showed himself to be so much more. Now, we can't leave this section without thinking about the, the importance of asking questions. Jesus is just really the example of asking uh, questions. And uh, that's an excellent way of going about it. Back in our uh, days when we were going through the Fishers of Men material, that was the primary um, t- 
technique built on the life of Jesus. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of homework with fishers and men and, and all of that. But the primary focus was to be able to ask people questions, open questions, and be able to have a biblical answer for that question. Okay. And that's all that the course, and it's still an excellent way of going about it. Uh, one question would be, what is mankind's greatest problem? Okay. If you ask somebody that, that's a, that, they get a, you get a variety of answers. I remember asking uh, a business lady that one day. So what do you think the greatest problem in the world is? Oh, uh, she went off on, on economics, and then she went into the school system. And um, then after she got through, uh, about 10 minutes later, she looked at me and said, well, what do you think it is? I said, that's why I want to study the Bible with you, because the Bible discusses what the greatest problem is. Okay. So um, I have up here in my little crate um, all the pamphlets of uh, Fishers of Men. And on front of each pamphlet is a question or two, sometimes two or three questions. Okay. Uh, one question might be, well, is everybody going to heaven? Okay. Uh, one question is, is Jesus God? Um, you know, just a variety of questions. And um, basically all there is to sharing uh, the word with people is to uh, ask questions about the scripture and be ready to, be, to give those answers uh, to someone. I was looking through some pictures um, this week and found some pictures of, of uh, Sister Little and Liz um, and... Um, holding up uh, their pamphlets and, and their diploma they got through uh, Fishers and Men. And it, it is a very effective way. It's not the only way, of course, but uh, being able to just ask questions um, is, uh, it, it helps in some way. It helps you uh, gather your thoughts uh, as that other person is gathering their thoughts. So you're asking them the question, do you think that Jesus is God? And as they're giving their answer, you also are gathering your thoughts. Okay. But better than that is uh, to be able to say, well, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about this. Uh, can we sit down together and see a few, few passages about this? And so, anyway... So here we are in the, the last week of Jesus, or at least the last few days before the cross. He has several little discussions uh, with the religious leaders of his day, but probably none more important than this one, uh, because this gets right to the heart of the issue, and that is, who is Jesus? Uh, where did he come from? What, what is his station in life? Where is he at right now? He's on the right hand of God. Okay. Thank you so much for uh, looking through Matthew 22 uh, with us uh, this evening, uh, learning more about uh, Jesus, uh, seeing how that Scripture can be misunderstood. We need to be careful uh, about that. But also realizing how, uh, how many prophecies uh, are fulfilled in the life of Jesus uh, from the Old Testament. Just in the last week of Jesus on earth, it's astounding. And I challenge you to, to um, just do a study of that. Um, all the prophecies fulfilled um, 
by Jesus as he makes his way to the cross in those last few hours. Okay. Everybody feel good? Feel good, Keith? 